Special guest, Brian Lintzer, sitting in for Charles, who decided to take a vacation irresponsibly. Uh, we're going <laughs> to dive into mis common mistakes that Brian thinks franchisors make uh, in their process of becoming a franchise. Coming up next. You could easily put me on a soapbox and I would tell you a lot of things that I think franchisors do incorrectly, uh, but it's nice to get another opinion. So Brian, thanks for, uh, thanks for doing this. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having so, me. In general, I mean, you've worked with a lot of franchisors and you, you, I mean, on a legal side, it's, it's pretty blocking and tackling, but in general, even though you're a franchise attorney to these brands, they probably lean on you for consultancy and say, I'm not growing enough. I'm not having the success I want with my franchisees or whatever it turns into. So in general, what are some of the common things that you see in the process uh, that you're like, hey, if you did X, you would have more success? Yeah, thanks, Nick. Um, one of the biggest things I see, you know, doing this every day uh, I've represented a bunch of franchisees as well in my career, you know, so I kind of have a good perspective on both sides. Uh, one thing that comes up pretty often, and I think it's going to be a, an issue that's going to continue to be a problem and, and a bigger problem, is access to uh, franchisee capital. Um, I think the, what's going to wind up happening pretty soon is that the banks are going to tighten up on their a lot of their restrictions. Um, and getting f funding for franchisees now and i see it happening already but i you know i i think the interest rate went up a, a point today you know from, from a couple of days ago um and i think we're gonna have a really big problem of having qualified franchisees come in and they're not just they're not gonna have the capital to 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 close the deal so i and i think the mistake that's made by some a lot of franchisors is that they believe that there's nothing they can do about it uh, you know so i think there's there's a, a bunch of things you could do to help facilitate the, the funding process uh, with your brand. Uh, one, and I'll give you an example. You know, I, I was actually speaking to uh, an, SB, an SBA expert uh, last week, actually. And he we were talking about our, our item sevens and the fact that a lot of franchisors are looking to, to keep the item seven as low as possible, which they believe is the most, it makes it the most attractive. Right. And which makes sense. And I, and I, you know, speaking to franchisors every, you know, every day, you know, that, that's a, that's a big uh, strategic aspect of, you know, positioning their, their offering. Right. So lower investment, more people will, will, you know, sign on. Uh, but what we were talking about is, you know, there's a lot of banks out there that aren't willing to, to lend on a hundred thousand dollar, you know, between a certain uh, gap, you know, between a hundred thousand, 300,000. So when where we're looking at a let's say a service brand that that um, where the top end estimate is one hundred and ten thousand, a lot of banks aren't going to be willing to to lend on that. Whereas if it was three hundred thousand, they would be willing to take that risk. So it almost has a, a it's counterintuitive in a sense that you know if the the higher the the estimated investment is, the more banks are willing to to lend against that. Uh, because they're willing to take that risk. 
So just having that one conversation with, was a five minute conversation can really position a franchisor in a way where they can help facilitate that. Um, also doing things like speaking to vendors, seeing if they can finance some of their equipment, you know, having that kind of set up in advance, having the bank set up where they're comfortable with the brand, you know, and kind of going through that beforehand. Um, and even potentially offering financing directly, you know, if this is going to be an issue that com that comes up, I think franchisors can offer direct financing in certain, you know, respects. There are downsides to that and dealing with brokers and things, you know, you might have to come out of pocket for commissions initially. And so there is some risk there, but, you know, it, I think it's going to be more of a problem coming up. I, and I kind of see it popping up here and there already. Uh, so I think, I think we have to be prepared for that. And, and kind of anticipate that and, and prepare. Okay, so, so some things to unpack there. So one is, uh, in, in your opinion, a mistake that franchisors are currently making in real time is not putting the plan in place for what happens when the banks tighten up lending. Therefore, it's gonna happen and you're gonna have what you perceive as a qualified candidate uh, who won't get the, the funding um, which could cause some challenges because you won't be able to push them through as, as a franchisee. Uh, second uh, issue that, I'm, that, that I hear there uh, is in item seven, uh, franchisors have been conditioned to make the cost as low as possible, which is fine for giving some sort of governor on how you qualify a candidate. Uh, but the reality is you're probably cutting your business short because one, that candidate, you're, you've now brought it down. So you're taking in folks that aren't as financially equipped to have success. And on the other side, because investments are low, banks see that as a little bit more risky. So uh, that's that's been a challenge that the brands have gone through. And then when it gets to financing, I would imagine it's like brands have uh, short-term vision. They, they are narrow-sighted, uh, meaning they they don't look at the potential value of that deal versus saying let's start putting some capital to the side to help finance some of these deals so that we can get good operators in place that three or five years from now or 10 years if we if we go to exit we actually got tremendous value out of it because we qualified the right buyer who's going to have tremendous impact on our EBITDA uh, and therefore, when they exit, we're actually going to get a great multiple. So what I'm hearing is the overarching statement is is preparation, financial preparation and financial execution is a big miss by some of the franchise brands that you work with. Absolutely. And, and I think I think just having that conversation, right, pick up the phone and having a conversation. And if people aren't don't know somebody, I can I can refer you know, an SBA expert who, who actually can position them in a, in a way that's really going to increase the probability, you know, of, of getting financing. And that's, that's why I think of everything, you know, how, how can we increase, even if it's incremental 2% probability that we close this deal, you know, it's worth the conversation and it, and just continue doing things like that. You know, so, so when you're working with, let's, let's start, actually, let's start with the franchisees because over your career, you've, you've worked with the franchisee. And so they're hitting the panic button. Uh, they're they're asking for uh, you know you you to come save them in some way with your with your words obviously. And they're saying I'm panicked because of X. What does that tend to be like? What is the what is the thing that stresses out franchisees when they're seeking advice the most? 
You know what? I, I think it, it, it really boils down to, and, and from my perspective, perception. I think, I think franchisees that have problems have the wrong perception of the relationship. And I think it's due to, to lack of educating them, you know, a franchise or responsibility. It's also due to their own responsibility to learn what they're getting into. But I think if I can point to one thing, it's, it's the perception is different than the reality. And when I re represent a franchisee, I always try to bridge that gap and say, listen, you're, you know, this is not going to be a McDonald's where you're going to put up the sign and you're going to build out a location and you're going to have 15 cars in your drive through right there. This, they're going to give you the, the tools and you have to build the business, but it's going to take a lot of effort. So whenever I, whenever I get a disgruntled franchisee call, because we've done a, a lot of franchisee litigation on both sides, we get a lot, a lot of those calls and I'm, I'm always interested. We don't, we don't do litigation anymore, but I, I always like to hear what they're talking about. I, I could always, you know, find the foundation being, well, I thought the franchisor was going to do blank. You know, it was going to help me market, was going to find me clients, customers, whatever the case is, was going to help me find my location, you know, and I have a bad location now. Um, it's always kind of pointing the finger. Uh, and, I, and I think the expectation is that they were going to do more handholding than franchisors really actually do in most instances. And more, and they shouldn't be handholders, right? I'm not saying that's the case, but I think there's a lack of education that goes in up front where we say, hey, franchisee, we're going to give you these tools, but it's really up to you to drive the business. You know, so I think that's a big, a big part of it. I mean, I think that's a, that's a tremendous insight. And so it, it ends up being a double-edged sword for franchisors and franchisees. Like the franchisor, like, you, they would say, Brian, you're right. You know, you, the franchisee is buying a business in a box, but you got to go assemble it. It's like you're, you're buying Ikea furniture. It's still going to require some work and you're going to get frustrated and you're not going to know what to do and you're not going to be able to read those directions, but you have to be able to have the mentality to muscle through it. And on the other side, they're like, but if we make this sound too hard, people aren't going to buy our franchise. And so I, I'm with you. I, and it's fascinating. It's actually probably a tremendous uh, question that should have more insight of when you get the calls of franchisees saying, I need to sue my franchisor. It's a miscommunication on what the expectations were. And so when it comes to positioning the brand, if, if a, a franchisor wants to be smart, they're like, look, we're going to support you. Here's how we actually support you. You're going to get a bi-monthly call from a business consultant we are going to create the master marketing plan for the business. You've got to go execute it at the, at the local level. Um, operationally, we're going to own the product management, which means we'll beat down our suppliers on, on the pricing. You've got to actually go put it, put it to work. We're not going to be there to go get you customers on acquisition. Like you've got to go spend the money and the time and, and go shake hands and kiss babies. And if they come out there and say that, they might decrease their leads but they might actually increase the value of the business because those that come through their expectations are set and they're not making those phone calls to you. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I, I don't want to put too much, you know, responsibility on the franchisor because I think these are grown up people and they should do that. But I think there are certain, certain franchisees that no matter what you tell them, they're still going to, you know, you have to almost like, ingrain it in their minds and, and i think you're exactly right and say here are the things that we're going to be doing and nothing else you know um so i think that's really important and i think you're right I, i'd rather i'd rather 
you know, a deal not go through, one deal not go through and have all good franchisees, you know, versus uh, have, have a bunch of franchisees that aren't, don't have the right perception and yeah. mindset. What about, okay, so on the Zor side, they call you in, in, when you guys did litigation and they say, we need to sue our franchisee. I assume it's like majority of that conversation is built around, we need to default our franchisee. That's like, that's the go-to word that they use. And then you have to like, you sure, is that the right pathway? But when they make that phone call, what's the miscommunication in that direction or the mistake that's being made? I think what happens on the franchisor side is sometimes franchisors overlook what that, what that litigation means in the future, right? Because now that friend, so, so if we're, we're going to sue somebody as a franchisor, the knee jerk reaction from a franchisee's litigate, you know, a counsel or, you know, litigation strategy is going to be, um, franchisor, uh, could, uh, you know, conducted fraud. And that's the only reason why franchisee signed on. Right. So there's always like a fraud claim and that has uh, the potential to hang around in your FDD and you know, item three for, for 10 years, you know, um, so also that franchisee that exits the system, we have to list their information, right? New prospects are gonna have access to that, to that person's you know, information. They're gonna do their due diligence and call that person. You know? uh, so, and we, they're not gonna tell a good story at that point. You know? so, so I think uh, franchisors really underestimate the impact that the, being overly aggressive uh, means on future sales and then and sometimes they're not sure that you know they don't understand that that this is going to be around for a while and you're going to have to answer questions a thousand questions on this particular issue for the next 10 years uh, so our our strategy is always you know we want we want a resolution we want to find a resolution and sometimes it's it's necessary sometimes it can't be avoided if you have uh, you know non-compete issues confidentiality issues Anything that's going to jeopardize the system or anything like that, no question about it, you aggressively pursue it. But if it could be avoided in any capacity, we always want to take the the least strict steps uh, and then escalate if necessary. Yeah. So we want to avoid litigation and resolve the issue if possible. Um, but yeah, most of the claims are going to be based on, you know, default. Uh, you know, sometimes it's operational. You know, franchisees just not listening. They're not clean. We're getting bad reviews, and something has to be done, right? So we send a default notice, and we send, we send a couple notices, and then, um, you know, but but we really try to limit the the actual litigation or arbitration because that that's going to stick around for a while. Does can can a franchisee and a franchisor relationship rebound from a default, or is that? Is it really, is that like in, in a marriage when, you know, what, one of the people in the couple leaves the house and moves out, like the separation happens, it's, it's unlikely that they're going to reconcile. Is that the same with the default? Is that, is that a mistake that is made? You know what? I, I've seen it where, where it actually improved the relationship. I think for marriages too, kind of the same thing. You know, you, when you go through that problem and you can resolve it in a good way, it actually strengthens the relationship in a, in a way, um, you know, so, so, I, so I, I definitely never want to abandon the, the possibility of the, of the continued relationship in any circumstance, 
sometimes it can't be it can't be salvaged, and that and that's okay too. You know, and that that's sometimes it an ex, uh, you know people parting ways uh, is is it, is the best thing for both parties. Uh, but we want to do it in a way that that uh, that has the least collateral damage, you know, for the franchise or and also for the franchisee. We don't want to hurt anybody, you know, uh, unnecessarily. But yeah, sometimes you have to do it to protect the system, and and that's. So you're you're sitting at a bar and franchisor comes up and says, "I'm not selling the way that I want to sell." Which again, like even though you're you're there to make sure that they are compliance from a legal standpoint, uh, the trust factor opens up very fast, and they they come to you guys with their with their problems too. When you hear that, like where does your where does your mind go? Do you do you, are you like, I mean, your business isn't that good. I don't know what to tell you. Or like, how do you start solving that? for a franchisor when they come to you and say, I can't grow the way that I'm expecting to. You know, I, I think it all starts with validation, right? I, so I think it's, if you're not, if you're not selling, that means you don't have validators in the system that can sell it for you. And I don't care if you have brokers, I don't care if you have the best, you know, drip campaigns and have all this kind of stuff in place. At the end, end of the day, if you can't validate, if, if franchisees are making that call to uh, to other franchisees in the system and they're saying, you know, stay away, this, you know, a franchisor hasn't gotten back to me in, in, in three weeks on a, on a question that I had, then th then nothing's going to, you know, uh, you know, trump that in a sense. So I think what I would say to that franchisor is really focus on, you know, making the existing franchisees, if you have them, you know, raving fans of the system. And that means, you know, you're, you're on top of them as far as, you know, uh, support, you're helping them make money, you're, you know, shifting if things aren't working and adapting to, to the realities, right? And that would be the first thing I focus on, right? Building that foundation for the first few. And then those first few, then, then we have the conversation, I can add the item 19, you know, a, a great item 19. And I can list, you know, I love when a franchise or can say, Call any franchisee out there. Here's a list of every single one of them. You can call any single one and they'll, you know, just ask them any question you want. To me, that's that's confidence and that's really where we want to get to. Um, so if you can't say that, I would question why you can't say that and then address that first. And then, you know. Well, and I, I mean, I agree with you. And I, I think franchisors uh, undervalue the, the resale and the exit. Like if I'm a franchise or especially a, an established one, if you can showcase franchisees who exited the system, got a little bit of cash on the, on their way out, even if they were frustrated, they were burnt out, they were done with this, this part of their career or life. Like that shows, call, call the people that have left our system uh, and ask them what they would have done differently. Like that, you, you're, you're right. Like if there's no validation in item 19, which some, some of them have plenty of BS built into them, means nothing. It's like, why would you, why would you invest your money? Now I do think like the, the markup of a franchisee is they're, they're getting into this thing uh, because they, they trust the relationship on, on a discovery day, but if they don't do their due diligence, you know, that's, that's on them. They have to do that as a part of their model. So, all right. If I, if I break out some of the insights that came out of this conversation, which is awesome. One is like really evaluate your item seven and make sure that you're actually using that as, as a governor to help uh, qualify your candidates. 
if if you're not if you're too low there, you might be under qualifying your candidates, which means the sustainability of those franchisees might not last. Two, be transparent with what you get as a franchisee. Don't try to sugarcoat it. Don't say like we're we're there to really support you. You, you may be in the beginning stages, but let them understand like what happens when you push them off the ledge and, and let them swim, like be transparent on that because that might prevent a, a legal issue uh, down the line. Use default as a way to correct issues and it's and bring transparency to the relationship. It can work in a, in a positive way. And if you're struggling at growth, make sure you're building validation whether that's going backwards and saying, let me get my suppliers to validate me if I'm a one unit brand and don't have validation or my customer base that raves about our product and our service and our, our cleanliness, whatever that turns into, like build the raving fans and let them go tell the story and give them the tools to, to do it. Um, and ultimately, like th this was like mistakes that franchisees and fr or franchisors make, but ultimately that turns into some advice that's coming from, from Brian. Brian, any, uh, anything that I missed there? Any final closing thoughts? No, I, I think I think you got it. Um, I appreciate uh, having me on and, and uh, look forward to doing this again. It's great. Thanks, Brian. Thanks, Nick.